Section 31 of The Jolly Parisiennes and Other Novelettes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Soldier's Dreams by Emile Zola. Translated by George D. Cox. Four soldiers, the night after the victory, had encamped in a deserted corner of the field of battle. Darkness had come on, and they were supping joyously amid the slain. Seated in the grass, around a fire, they were broiling on the coals cuts of lamb, which they devoured still bleeding. The ruddy gleam of the fire vaguely illuminated them, projecting afar their gigantic shadows. At times, pale flashes ran over the weapons lying around them, and then one saw amid the darkness men who were sleeping with open eyes. The soldiers laughed in long bursts without seeing those glances which were fixed upon them. The day had been a hard one. Not knowing what the morrow had in store for them, they were enjoying the food and rest of the moment. Night and death were flying over the field of battle, down on which their huge wings shook silence and terror. The repast finished, Noose sang. His sonorous voice was broken in the sad and troubled air. The song, joyous on his lips, was echoed back like a sob. Astonished at these accents which came from his mouth and which he did not recognize, the soldier sang in a louder tone, when a terrible cry, emerging from the gloom, shot through space. Noose paused, seized with uneasiness. He said to Elberg, "'Go see what corpse has awakened.' Elberg took a flaming brand and departed. His companions were able to follow him for a few instants by the light of the torch. They saw him bend, examining the dead, searching among the bushes with his sword. Then he disappeared. Clarion, said Noose, after a period of silence, the wolves are roaming about tonight. Go seek our friend. And Clarion, in his turn, was lost in the darkness. Noose and Flem, weary of waiting, wrapped themselves in their cloaks and stretched themselves out beside the half-extinguished fire. Their eyes closed when the same terrible cry passed over their heads. Flem silently arose and walked towards the gloom in which his two companions had vanished. Then Noose found himself alone. He was afraid, afraid of that black gulf through which ran a rattle of agony. He threw some dry grass on the fire hoping that the brightness of the flame would drive away his terror. The flame mounted with a bloody look. The ground was lighted up in a broad, luminous circle. In this circle, the bushes danced fantastically, and the dead, who were sleeping in their shadows, seemed shaken by invisible hands. Noose grew afraid of the light. He scattered the burning grass, extinguished it beneath his heels. As the darkness returned, heavier and thicker than before, he shivered, dreading to hear the cry of death pass. He seated himself, then arose to call his companions. His shouts terrified him. He feared he had attracted the attention of the corpses. The moon appeared, and Noose saw with terror a pale ray glide over the field of battle. Now the night no longer concealed the horror. The devastated plain, sown with wrecks and with the dead, stretched away before his eyes, covered with a winding sheet of light, and this light, 
which was not that of day, illuminated the shadows, without dissipating their silent terrors. Noose, standing there, with sweat upon his forehead, thought of climbing the hill to put out the pale torch of night. He asked himself what kept the dead from starting up and coming to surround him, now that they saw him. Their motionlessness filled him with anguish. In the expectation of some terrible event, he closed his eyes. And, as he stood there, he felt something lukewarm touch his left heel. He stooped towards the ground when he perceived a thin stream of blood fleeing beneath his feet. This stream, bounding from pebble to pebble, flowed with a gay murmur. It came from the darkness. It twisted itself in a ray of the moon to flee and return to the darkness. One might have likened it to a serpent with black scales, the rings of which slipped along and followed each other incessantly. Noose recoiled, without the power to close his eyes again. A frightful contraction kept them wide open, fixed on the bloody stream. He saw it swell slowly, widen in its bed. The stream became a brook, a slow and quiet brook, over which an infant could have leaped at a single spring. The brook became a torrent and swept over the ground with a hollow noise, hurling upon its sides a ruddy foam. The torrent became a river, an immense river. This river bore away the corpses, and it was a horrible prodigy that the blood had flowed from wounds in such abundance that it carried the dead along with it. Noose still recoiled before the swelling flood. He could no longer see the other shore. It seemed to him that the valley was being changed into a lake. Suddenly he found himself with his back against a wall of rocks. He was forced to arrest his flight. Then he felt the waves beat his knees. The corpses, which the current was bearing along, insulted him as they passed. Each one of their wounds had become a mouth which jeered at him because of his fright. The thick sea swelled, swelled incessantly. Now it was groaning around his hips. He drew himself up with a supreme effort. He clung to the clefts of the rocks. The rocks crumbled, he fell back, and the flood covered his shoulders. The pale, sad moon looked down on this sea in which its rays were extinguished without reflection. The light floated in the sky. The immense sheet, all darkness and noise, seemed the yawning opening of an abyss. The flood rose, rose. It reddened Noose's lips with its foam. At dawn, Elberg, on arriving, awakened Noose, who was sleeping, his head upon a stone. Friend, said he, I got lost among the bushes. As I had seated myself at the foot of a tree, sleep surprised me, and the eyes of my soul saw strange scenes unrolled, the remembrance of which waking has been unable to dissipate. The world was in its infancy. The sky seemed an immense smile. The earth, virgin yet, bloomed in the May sunshine in its chaste nudity. The green grass was taller than our tallest oaks. The trees spread out in the air, foliage unknown to us. The sap flowed plentifully in the veins of the world, and its flood was so abundant that not being able to contain itself with the plants, it streamed into the entrails of the rocks and gave them life. The horizon stretched away calm and radiant. Holy nature had awakened. Like the infant which kneels in the morning and thanks God for the light, it poured forth towards the sky all its perfumes, all its songs, penetrating perfumes, ineffable songs, which my senses could scarcely bear, so divine was the impression they produced. The mild and fertile earth brought forth without pain. Fruit trees grew. 
wild fields of grain bordered the roads as fields of nettle do now one felt in the air that human sweat had not yet mingled with the breadth of heaven god alone toiled for his children man like the bird lived by providential nourishment he strolled at will blessing god gathering the fruits of the trees drinking the water of the springs sleeping at night beneath the shelter of the foliage his lips had a horror of flesh he was ignorant of the taste of blood he relished only the food prepared for his repasts by the dew and the sun thus man remained innocent and his innocence crowned him king of the other beings of the creation all was concord i know not what whiteness the world had what supreme peace soothed it without end the wings of the birds did not flap for flight the forests had no places of refuge in their copses all the creatures of god lived in the sunlight forming but a single people having but a single law kindness i walked among these beings amid this nature i felt myself grow stronger and better my breaths breathed long draughts of the air of heaven i felt suddenly quitting our infected winds for these breezes of a purer world the delicious sensation experienced by a miner ascending to the open air as the angel of dreams still presided over my sleep this is what my soul saw in a forest into which it had strayed two men were following a narrow path lost beneath the foliage the younger of the twain walked in front carelessness sang upon his lips his glance had a caress for each tuft of grass sometimes he turned to smile on his companion i know not by what gentleness i recognized his smile as that of a brother the lips and eyes of the other man remained dumb and somber he glared at the nape of the youth's neck with a look of hatred hastening his steps stumbling behind him he seemed to be pursuing a victim who did not flee i saw him cut down a stout sapling the trunk of which he rudely fashioned into a club then fearing he might lose his companion he ran concealing his weapon behind him the young man who had seated himself to wait for him arose at his approach and kissed him on the forehead as after a long absence they resumed their walk the day was declining the youth hurried along on perceiving in the distance between the last trees of the forest the soft lines of a hill yellow with the adieu of the sun the somber man thought he was fleeing then he raised his club his young brother turned a joyous word of encouragement was upon his lips the club crushed his face and the blood gushed forth the tuft of grass which received the first drop of it shook it with horror on the soil the soil swallowed it quivering terrified a long cry of repugnance escaped from its bosom and the sand of the path vomited forth the hideous draught in the shape of a bloody moss at the cry of the victim i saw the creatures scatter on the wings of fright they fled throughout the world shunning the beaten ways they posted themselves at the crossroads and the stronger attacked the weaker i saw them in solitude polish their fangs and sharpen their claws the grand brigandage of the creation had begun then the eternal flight passed before me the sparrow hawk swooped down upon the swallow the swallow on the wing seized the gnat the gnat placed itself upon the corpse from the worm to the lion every creature felt itself menaced the world like a serpent bit its tail and devoured itself eternally nature stricken with horror had a long convulsion the pure lines of the horizon were broken 
the aurora and the setting sun acquired bloody clouds the waters hurled themselves down with perpetual sobs and the trees twisting their branches annually cast withered leaves upon the ground as elberg stopped clarion appeared he seated himself between his two companions and said to them i know not whether i saw or dreamed what i am about to relate so much of reality had the dream so like a dream appeared the reality i found myself upon a highway which traversed the world it was bordered by cities and the nations followed it in their journeys i saw that the stones with which this highway was paved were black my feet slipped and i realized they were black with blood the highway sloped on each side a brook flowing in the center rolled thick red water i followed this highway in which the crowd was stirring violently i went from group to group seeing life pass before me here fathers were immolating their daughters whose blood they had promised to some monstrous god the flaxen haired girls were bending beneath the knife pale at the kiss of death there quivering and proud maidens were stabbing themselves to escape a shameful fate and the tomb would serve as a white robe for their purity further off lady loves were dying beneath kisses this one weeping because of her abandonment was expiring upon the strand her eyes fixed on the waves which had borne away her heart that one assassinated in her lover's arms was breathing her last upon his neck both transported in an eternal embrace further off still men weary of gloom and misery were sending their souls to find in a better world that liberty vainly sought for on this earth everywhere the feet of kings had left bloody imprints upon the stones this one had walked in his brother's blood that one in the blood of his people that other in the blood of his god their red footmarks in the dust made the crowd say a king has passed here priests were slaughtering victims then stupidly bent over their palpitating entrails they claimed to read in them the secrets of heaven they wore swords beneath their robes and preached war in the name of their god the nations on hearing their voices falling one upon another devoured themselves for the glorification of the common father all men were intoxicated they beat the walls they groveled upon the stones polluted by a hideous mud with closed eyes holding with both hands double-edged blades they struck in the dark and massacred a humid breath of carnage passed over the crowd which lost itself in the distance in a reddish mist it ran carried away by a rush of fear it rolled in the orgy with clamors more and more furious it trod underfoot those who fell and made the wounds give up the last drop of blood it panted with rage cursing the corpse when it could no longer tear from it a groan the soil drank drank greedily its entrails no longer manifested repugnance for the biting liquor like a being debased by drunkenness it gorged itself with lees i increased my pace being in haste to lose sight of my brethren the black highway still extended before me as vast as ever at each new horizon the brook which i followed seemed bearing the bloody flood to some unknown sea and as i advanced i saw nature grow somber and severe the bosoms of the plains tore themselves deeply blocks of stone divided the soil into sterile hills and dark valleys the hills mounted the valleys hollowed themselves out more and more stones became mountains furrows were changed into abysses not a leaf not a tuft of moss desolate rocks their tops whitened by the sun their bases shadowy and swallowed up by the gloom 
The highway passed amid these rocks, where death-like silence reigned. At length it made a sudden turn, and I found myself upon a funereal site. Four mountains, leaning heavily one on the other, formed an immense basin. Their hard, smooth sides, which rose up like the walls of a Cyclopean city, made of the enclosed space a gigantic pit, the largeness of which filled the horizon. And this pit, into which the brook fell, was full of blood. The thick and tranquil flood mounted slowly from the abyss. It seemed slumbering upon its bed of rocks. The sky reflected it in clouds of purple. Then I comprehended that there flowed all the blood shed by violence. Since the first murder, each wound had wept its tears in this gulf, and the tears had coursed there so abundantly that the gulf was filled. I saw, last night, said Noose, a torrent going to cast itself into that accursed lake. Stricken with horror, resumed Clarion, I approached the brink, sounding with a glance the depth of the flood. I realized from the hollow noise of the tide that it extended to the center of the earth. Then my eyes, being turned towards the surrounding rocks, I saw that the flood was gaining their tops. The voice of the abyss cried out to me, The tide which is rising will rise constantly and attain the summits. It will rise further, and then a river escaping from the terrible basin will hurl itself into the plains. The mountains, weary of struggling with the billows, will sink. The entire lake will fall upon the world and inundate it. Thus the men who shall be born will die, drowned in the blood shed by their fathers. The day is near, said Noose. The waves were high last night. The sun had risen when Clarion finished the recital of his dream. A trumpet blast borne by the morning wind was heard towards the north. It was the signal to reassemble around the standard the soldiers scattered into the plain. The three companions arose and gathered up their weapons. They were departing, casting a last look at the extinguished fire, when they saw Flem running towards them through the high grass. His feet were white with dust. "'Friends,' said he, "'I know not from whence I come, so rapid has been my journey. During long hours I saw the disheveled round of trees flee behind me. The sound of my footsteps, which soothed me, caused me to close my eyelids, and still running, without relaxing my speed, I slept a strange sleep.' I found myself upon a desolate hill. The glowing sun struck the huge rocks. I could not put down my feet without burning their flesh. I hastened on. And, as I bounded along, I saw a man ascending, who walked slowly. He was crowned with thorns. A heavy burden weighed upon his shoulders. A bloody sweat inundated his face. He walked toilsomely, staggering at every step. The soil burned. I could not bear its torture. I ascended to wait for him beneath a tree, at the top of the hill. Then I perceived that he bore a cross. From his crown, from his purple robe stained with mud, I believed him a king, and was greatly rejoiced at his suffering. Soldiers followed him, quickening his pace with the points of their lances. Arrived upon the most elevated rock, they stripped him of his garments. They laid him on the sinister cross. The man smiled sadly. He stretched out his hands wide open to the executioners. The nails made two bloody holes in them. Then drawing his feet together, he crossed them, and a single nail sufficed. Lying upon his back, he silently contemplated the sky. Two tears ran slowly down his cheeks, tears which he did not feel, and which lost themselves in the resigned smile of his lips. The cross was erected. 
the weight of the body horribly enlarged the wounds, and I heard the bones break. The crucified gave a long shiver. Then he resumed his contemplation of the sky. I gazed at him. Seeing his grandeur at the hour of death, I said to myself, This man is not a king. Then I was filled with pity. I cried to the soldiers to strike him to the heart. A tomtit sang upon the cross. Its song was sad and sounded in my ears like the voice of a weeping maiden. Blood colors the flame, sang the bird. Blood purples the flower. Blood reddens the cloud. I alighted on the sand. My claws were bloody. I grazed the branches of an oak. My wings were red. I met a good man and followed him. I bathed myself in a spring, and my plumage was pure. My song said, Rejoice, my feathers. On the shoulder of this man you will no longer be soiled by the rain of murder. My song says today, Weep, bird of Golgotha, weep for your plumage, stained by the blood of him who kept for you the asylum of his bosom. He came to restore purity to the birds, but alas, men force him to moisten me with the dew of his wounds. I doubt, and I weep for my stained plumage. Where shall I find another who will open for me his linen garment? Ah, my poor master! Who will wash my feathers which thou hast reddened with thy blood? The crucified listened to the songster. The wind of death made his eyelids tremble. Agony twisted his lips. He lifted towards the bird his glance, full of gentle reproach. His smile sparkled, as serene as hope. Then he uttered a loud cry. His head fell upon his breast, and the tomtit fled, borne away in a groan. The sky grew black, the earth shook in the gloom. I was yet running, and yet slept. The dawn had come, the valley had awakened, smiling amid the morning mists. The storm of the past night had given more serenity to the sky, more vigor to the green leaves. But the path was bordered by the same thorns which had torn me on the preceding day. The same hard, sharp stones rolled beneath my feet. The same serpents crawled among the bushes and menaced me as I passed. The blood of the good man had flowed into the veins of the old world, without restoring it to the innocence of its youth. The tom-tit passed above my head and cried to me, I am very sad. I cannot find a spring pure enough to bathe myself in. Look, the earth is as wicked as it was yesterday. The Lord is dead and the grass has not flourished. Alas, it was but another murder. Friends, said Noose, ours is a vile calling. Our sleep is troubled by the phantoms of those we slay. Like you, I have felt the demon of nightmare weigh upon my breast. For thirty years I have been killing. I have need of rest. Let us leave our brothers here. I know a valley in which the plows lack arms. Is it your wish that we shall taste the bread of toil? It is our wish, answered his companions. Then the soldiers dug a great hole at the base of a rock and buried their weapons. They went down to bathe themselves in the river. Then locking arms all four, they vanished at a turn of the road. End of section 31